Hello and welcome to Miss Bossy Boots, keeping it real for women in business. My name is Stacey Morgan and today is going to be one of my favourite episodes because we're talking favourite things. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Introducing Jane Hilston. <laughs> Hello, Stacey. Hi, nice to see you. You too. We got to hang out last night as we we're recording this. Uh, it was the launch of Dare to Care. Yes. Not very often that you and I, on a weeknight, get to go and hang out together. Yes, I know. A Thursday night, having a glass of champagne and solving the problems of the world. It was very civilised. It was. I really loved it. Big shout out to Susan, who we had as a guest on the episode, um, on one of our episodes like a year ago. Yeah, like 64 or something. Yeah. Um, but she has... No, it wouldn't have been 64 because we're up close to that now. But shut up. <laughs> Big shout out to Susan. Congratulations. It was a fabulous night. And thanks for getting Jane and I together on a school night. Thanks, Susan. <laughs> we're talking about favourite things today. Of course, it's been a little while since we've done one of these episodes. It has been. I can't think of the last time we did it, actually. I've got no idea what I spoke about. But I was looking at my bookshelf today going... Oh, it needs to be a double episode because I've read a couple of books since we did oh, one last. Good. And I was like, oh, come on then, let's yeah. go. But I want you to start because you walked in the door this morning with a book in your hand. Yes. And I'll hand it over to you. In oh, case thank you. Want you. To That's where it, it was. Yes. Um, yes. And when we spoke about doing this episode, I thought, gosh, I feel like I've read so many books and listened to so many new podcasts. I feel like I should have a lot to share. But The only thing I can recall is one book and um, one podcast, but that's okay. That's that's um, that's what's relevant in my life at the moment. So um, I'll start off with the book. Now, um, anybody who's listened to any of these episodes or even read any of my material through Dragonfly Marketing or, or watched any of my videos will know that I am a huge fan of Seth Godin. Yeah. So Seth Godin is, um, you know, I don't like calling anybody a guru, but I can't think of any other word other than perhaps mastermind. Godfather. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's like my god. He yeah. is He is um, my marketing him. god. Like he <laughs> would be my religion, absolutely. Yeah. The guy... Um, has this, you know, not only is he an outstanding marketer and internationally renowned, but he's got this incredibly philosophical approach to his work and I guess his life. And so that, and that, you know, a a really huge intelligence on top of that, amazing amounts of perspective because, I don't know, he's probably in his 50s or whatever. So he's lived, he's worked, he's made lots of mistakes. So the combination of that just leads, in my opinion, to incredible insight. And I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find any marketer or even any business person who wouldn't think very highly of Seth Godin. Okay, so Seth's published like 19 books. Um, His latest book is called This Is Marketing. I have probably five or six of Seth's books. And I must say, as much as I love him, I can I can usually consume his content in grabs. Yeah. Um, but I have found some of his other books. Like, so he'll have things. Um, he's got titles like The Purple Cow, Tribes, um, The Icarious Deception, I think it's called. Or it was a weird title, the last one. Uh, anyway, there's a whole bunch of them. And 
you know, each of them kind of address various topics within within marketing. But I find, I don't know, I've, I've kind of found some of them a little bit repetitive sometimes. So I like inhale the first one or two, three, four, five chapters. And then I feel like I, my attention wanes a bit, which is very um, ironic considering how much I live and breathe the guy. Yeah. Anyway, this book, though, was completely different. So this is, this is, this is marketing. And I must say, when honestly, it comes to inhaling, you oh, inhaled the whole thing. Yeah, and <laughs> and I think you'd read it, and maybe Mac had read it. It had taken me a little bit of time to get my um, act together to actually read the book. And I think probably because the books that I've read of his before, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I love his stuff, but I, yeah. Anyway, as you can see, so I've got this book in in front of me now, and I'm flicking through. I reckon what, say, a third of the pages are doggy. Yep. Easy. Um, Got post-it notes hanging out of it. There's highlighter everywhere. There's highlighter everywhere. And I don't know, because I always think as a marketer, like it gives me a deeper appreciation of marketing. You've read the book or you've listened to the audio. As a non-marketer, but very savvy in marketing, do you find that, because I always wonder, is his stuff directed like, is, does his stuff resonate more with marketers or does it, like, can you connect as normally, a business normally, Yeah, I would say normally his books that I've read have been very, um, I've got some bits, but I haven't got all of it yeah. that he's been talking about. And I have thought to myself, this is, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'm not his target audience. Maybe this is a bit above my head. Yeah. This book, this is marketing. I felt like he was talking to me. Yes. It was so – what I loved about it was it wasn't – nothing that he said was like, whoa, that completely changes the way I think about everything. Everything that he said made complete sense. Sense. Like it was stuff I already knew in my subconscious, but I I couldn't articulate it. But he was articulating it beautifully, Beautifully. not just for marketers, but for little old me because I just – the, the chapters were short and sharp and punchy. It didn't kind of rub it on. Yes. I really um, – because I if I'm re- I read the paper version. Um, yeah. If I'm reading a paper version, I'm only getting to a chapter. If I put my head down and start reading, I'm a chapter and I'm asleep. Yeah. So I can't do long chapters. I have to have things that are very – bite sizable. Yes. And this was bite sizable. Yeah. It was like four or five, six pages a chapter, you know, with really good section breaks and headings and loved it. And I think too, because his other books, like even like this seems really weird to mention it, but they're really tiny books, but the font's really tiny as well. Like it just seems in, like some of them just seem intense. <laughs> like just even to look at. Yeah. Whereas this one it just seems to be so much more approachable. Anyway you know, there was a lot that I took out of that. And I guess, and I guess, you know, why I asked you that question is because I'm going, okay, would I recommend that any business owner pick this up? You know, I, I if I hadn't written my own book, yeah. I would take this book to all of my clients and go, can you read that for a base level understanding of what best practice marketing is? Yes. And yeah. particularly, can you please take note of the message that no one cares about what you sell? Yes. They care about what's in it for, for them. them. Yeah. You know, because that's – and that's not to say that my clients don't know that most businesses are wrapped up in the fact that every – you know, and they, they truly believe that people care about what they sell yeah. and care about what they do. No, people care 
what's it what, what you, you can, can do, do for, for them, them. Yep. what's in it for them yeah and i think seth impresses this all through and as you say like this isn't new to us but he just articulates it in a really direct really, manner that you yeah. can't there is no room for interpretation no he also has a really good way of um, getting your head around who you should be selling to because a lot of business owners will just go okay i'm going to develop a product or i'm going to have a service and who's it for well everybody yeah but this book really rams home quite repetitively but really interestingly that it doesn't matter if you've got 10 people or 100 people if all 10 of those people are interested in what you're selling that's 100 percent you have a market. You have a market. And he and refers to go. it. And he refers to it as the smallest viable market. Yes. So he says too often people, you know, start a business or have a business and they go, right, I've got to appeal to the whole world. You know, this business is going to be world renowned and, and an international success. And if it doesn't, you know, that's it, a failure. Yeah. Absolutely not. That was a pivotal, it was a pivotal moment reading that and it actually made me it refined my book. So I read this in January, just yep. as I was refining, I guess, the direction of my book. Yep. After reading that, that's when I decided I it, this, this book is about marketing. It is for small business. But most importantly, when I start to take it down to the smallest viable market, it's for small businesses in regional area. Yep. And I had always moved, I had always been really fearful about niching too deeply into that segment yeah but this is all about it nation. gave me permission yeah and that voice you can hear in the background is my three-year-old patrick yes patrick <laughs> all righty is that i need to do a wee yeah we're going to take a toilet break on miss fussy boots and be right back <laughs> all right and we're back we're back Anything else for this is marketing? Um, no. So that I would, and, and I guess I, I was trying to work out, should I actually recommend this book for any business or just any, so any business owner or any business owner who has a penchant for marketing? And I would say um, pick it up and, and, and give it a read if you're really interested in marketing. You'll know within the first five pages whether you're going to yeah. love it yeah. or whether you're going to go, yeah. And if you're a business owner who prob- who might not have that kind of really strong interest and passion for marketing, pick mine up instead. Yes, <laughs> always. <laughs> How to do marketing, a comprehensive guide for small business. You might get more out of that one. Sorry, nice. Seth. Yeah. <laughs> And so then, um, why don't you go your? Why don't you tell us about your book? And if oh. time, I'll, I'll tell tell you about the podcast. Okay. Well, I um I wanted to share a funny story about this is marketing because I bought it when I went to Sydney with Lucinda on a girls trip. We went down um, to see a, a student of mine who had graduated in 2013. He was performing at the Opera House as part of a professional production, and I took her down to see it. And I bought it when I was there, and then we stayed overnight in a hotel and she snuggled up to me you know next to me in the double bed of the the holiday inn and she said we didn't bring a book mum because we normally read every night Ah. she said you've got a book there how about you read that to me Ah. and she laid next to me while I read in the whole first chapter and oh bless like mesmerized mesmerized didn't say like didn't say anything normally if she's not into it she'll let me know (laughs) um but she yeah she so maybe it is for anybody yeah. yeah 
And then I was too tired, so I was like, all right, we're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Good on her. Cool. So my um, audio book that I listened to um, since we last spoke, I've listened to two. I'm going to talk um, formally about one and informally about another, uh, was Daniel Pink's Drive. And this was recommended to me by Macca. You mentioned Macca before. Big shout-outs to Macca, who doesn't listen to our podcast, but whatever. Um, (laughs) And this book is all about how research has been saying for years that you can't um, bribe people with rewards in the workplace, Mm. that rewarding actually needs to be... um, just gone by the wayside but yet business still does it we still work with incentives we still um, try and give people bonuses we try and incentivize people with monetary or physical things but actually if you want to motivate your workforce you need to be coming up with intrinsic motivators yeah they need to know they need to want to do well. They need to believe in what you believe in. They need to believe in what the company believes in. They need to think that they're doing work for purpose. Yes, um, that in makes order, sense. In order to be motivated. Yeah, again, another book that uh, you're listening going, well, yeah. <laughs> but it's not – start. you know, you, you think that you know it and then you all of a sudden go, oh, why well, I'm not doing that. Yes. But, so his – Daniel's research is all about um, how to get business to catch up to what research has already told us, what we already know through research. So it was really interesting. Um, It takes a little while to get going, this book. So don't, if you do decide to tackle it, and I encourage that you do, um, encourage you to do that, don't uh, be disheartened. It it really picks up. Yeah, right. So it's all about... um, those internal factors that the personal fulfillment doing something that actually has purpose and as part of intrinsic motivation the book talks about the three components so um autonomy mastery and purpose and it keeps coming back to those things that the tasks that you want people to do need to um, either give them autonomy so they have you know the power to design how many hours they're working or where they're going to work from or you know what steps they'll get to take from point A to point B to come up with the solution. Um, So they have a bit of control or feel like they have a bit of control and input. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also about um, having faith in them and having respect in them in their role to have, you know, to give them the autonomy to do their job well without micromanaging them. And make those decisions. Yeah, always looking over their shoulder. Mm. Um, Mastery is all about the innate desire to, to learn, to be challenged, to be challenging yourself, to be always learning, to be doing something that helps you improve a certain skill set or yourself or, um, you know, something bigger than just, you know, just do this for the sake that it needs to get done. Tasks giving, being ticked off a list. Yeah, giving people work that actually um, enables them to learn more and to improve and to be able to step outside yeah. their square will motivate them more than a bonus. And the Great. final one is purpose, which is really obvious. Um, you know, we always like to work harder if there's a purpose behind it and it's it's, you know my business is so closely linked to my why that that I don't I couldn't do that um I couldn't do what I do without that why especially at the last couple of weeks that I've had with just dance mum drama I've just been going what am I doing this for again and then I get inside the studio and I go oh this is why yes you see you know the kids skip for the first time or the smiling yes. face of the child that you just taught you've just taught them something and they go oh they get something right like oh that's right yes that's my why that's yes. my purpose that's why i'm here that's why i can endure 
all the, the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a really interesting read, especially if you um, if you are someone who um, has been motivated in the past or is working in a business that has a bonus um, system already set up or an incentivized system already set up. I found it interesting because I, um, as I was listening to it, I was um, putting together a new role and kpis around that and you know in my head i was like so if they reach these goals what are they going to get and then i was like oh actually this book is feeding right into that yes um a funny story that i've got that relates to that experience it's not a story it's an experience so when i first started my career i started at um, an organization called michael page it was in recruitment Mm -hmm. and if i'm completely honest as i was going through the graduation graduation Uh, sorry the recruitment process um I actually had no idea what the role was really about but they just kept inviting me back for interviews and I kind of liked the people that I was interviewing with and the (laughs) company sounded really good and it was you know office in the city and good pay and glamorous and I still really couldn't get my head around what recruitment was but I was like hey you know it sounds fine sounds good (laughs) anyway I think it was like right towards the end that I actually understood what it was Um, but I was a marketing graduate I was a business um, graduate but recruitment you know had been something that I hadn't even really heard of as 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 I just said so anyway started the role started in the graduate position and I soon got to realise that the culture of this this company was like right up my alley. It was a work hard, play hard. There was loads of POMs and there was like everyone was kind of under the age of 35. Um, we were in the prime of our yeah. partying lives. Yeah. We were expected to work big hours and recruitment is essentially sales because you're placing candidates for a fee. Yeah. Um, so there was incentive that was financial around that. So I didn't, again, had really had not much exposure to this in the lead up, but obviously as part of the, as, as part of the team, as part of the graduate program, you're introduced to how it all works. You've got a year basically as a graduate and you're just on a base salary. And then the next year you start, you know, working as your, as a consultant and that's when the commission comes in. And again, I had really no ex- expectations around what commission even looked like. Like I was totally happy with my base salary. But then there was these, you know, quarterly bonuses that we would have. Um, and, you know, within my first bonus, I was like, whoa, <laughs> wow. I didn't, because that's obviously not something that you discuss with people. So I had no idea how much to expect. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then the second one was even more and I'm a goal-driven person. And yeah. so regardless of whether there was a commission there, I mean, if I, I know if I'm – and I'm competitive. So, you know, my goal was Are just you? to always be at the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> yeah. And to be, you know, goal, you know, place this many candidates in a month, go. You know, great, I'll place double. Yeah. It, that's that's – the money probably – the money was an added bonus, but I hadn't expected it. Like it was such a great gift, yeah. but I hadn't expected it. It was great. I appreciated it, but that wasn't what was driving me. Yeah. The culture itself, um, every quarter, like they took us out to lunch. So we left the office at 12 o'clock. We would go to the most expensive restaurants in Sydney and we would stay there and drink and eat, you know, for nine hours or 10 hours. Wowzers. You know, the first Christmas party we went on was for a full weekend and we went away to the Hunter Valley and it was all you can eat, drink, party, 
activity. Like it was insane for a graduate. Like most of my graduate um, friends were like in these really base level roles where they were shit kicking, you know, and really not doing anything and no bonuses and no, you know, and it was just like, oh my goodness. But the work itself did not feed my soul. The salary was amazing. And yes, it was really helpful. It helped me save to go overseas, but it wasn't actually what drove me. Yeah. The fact the company culture kept me in that company for four and a half years. But when it came time to, I need to do some work for purpose, I couldn't stay. I would have loved to. Like yeah. that was my ideal company. But the, the, the role itself. So the mastery probably wasn't there. Yeah. The incentive kind of was there, but it it, did, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Yeah, um, and the purpose was definitely not there. So that's yeah. a really, really interesting synopsis of that situation. Yeah. Have you read the book? No. I thought you might have. When I was listening to it, there were lots of things that I was like, "Oh, Jane knows that. Jane taught me that." Uh, <laughs> you should have a listen. Oh, I thought you might yeah. find it all. I might. I know this. No, I don't. <laughs> no, you can never know everything. The other book I have listened to, which I loved. I loved, I loved, I loved, and I wish that it was um, something I had read before I lived in New Zealand, was Legacy. Mm. And I better get the author's name. Legacy is um, based on the All Blacks, the rugby team, the All Blacks. Um, it's by James Kerr, and the um, it's about 15 les- lessons in leadership. And it talks about how the All Blacks created a culture um, to take them – through the six years in the lead up to the World Cup, which they ended up winning. Mm. Um, and it talked about how they really built, they got to a point where um, something needed to change, the culture wasn't good, and how they absolutely stripped everything back, figured out who they were, what they were about, what the legacy of that black and white jersey with the silver fern yeah, was, nice. and created an entire team and culture based around that legacy phenomenal book i don't care about sports oh sports no interest whatsoever but this made me want to play rugby play rugby not even watch it like (laughs) it made me want to be an all black how ridiculous is that because they just the way that they materialized the materialized probably but mate that brought the way they brought to life the legacy of that jersey oh, i want to read and it you have to it's so great i'd really yeah it was recommended to me by Watto. thanks Watto. <laughs> and i was like uh sports yeah but i lived in new zealand so i was like oh yeah i know who the all black are <laughs> <laughs> so i live next door to one maybe, maybe he'll get a mention and he did did he and yeah and so i'll read it loved it loved it here's a question can new zealand do anything wrong full stop like honestly is there is there not a good news story that you know i'm just in admiration of new zealand as a nation and probably mostly now because they've got such an incredible prime minister yes Um, they just get better but they just everything just everything they touch turns to gold and and when you say that about legacy and about the all blacks that permeates like as someone i'm the same i have no interest in rugby but when you if even at a you know purely visual level when you see the all blacks do do the haka at the beginning of a game and you see the australians like you can 
feel the passion through the TV screen. You can feel that resonance, that yeah. purpose, that passion, that determination and drive. To, you know, regardless of the result that, that ends up happening, you can feel that they're in it at a whole deeper level yes. than any other team yeah. that they play against. And it talks a lot about that as well. But the biggest takeaway that I got from it was that after they finish playing every game and every training session without fail, it could be the final of the World Cup all the way down to just a just a game at home. Club game. Yep. They have like a talk at the end of the game, like a, a debrief. Debrief, exactly. And then the coach will say, "All right, guys, let's go." And they all go and get a broom and sweep the sheds. Yeah, that's and very they Japanese. Clean the sheds. Yeah, yes, yeah, very that's Japanese. what it reminded me of. And these are people that are paid millions of dollars to do what they do. Yeah. Yet they do everything all the way down to that level because the care and pride that they take in their shed and their space and then the, the care and pride they use to take care of each other and the team, so great. It's like the example that came up in our mastermind the other day. We have this mastermind group that yes. we are a member of. Yep. And one of the um, the masterminds in the group was we were talking about um, – the way that he teaches all of his team to neatly arrange his boardroom chairs, the boardroom chairs, every single time they leave the boardroom. And I had been in the boardroom one day and one of his team members had, you know, straightened my chair after I'd gotten out. And I had straightened. I always put my chair in after I get out from the table. I'd pushed it in and kind of straightened it up. But he then proceeded to walk around the whole table and straighten all the chairs. And I was like, what are you doing? And he said, well, it's just a, you know, it's just a thing that we do. We straighten all the chairs because, you know, such and such like, you know, name of the boss likes yeah. us to do that. He likes us to leave the chairs. That's just the thing thing that he asks us to do. I'm like, really? That sounds like really OCD. Like, I think that would drive me round the bend, you know, having to neaten up. Like, he almost got out the ruler to make sure that all the chairs were evenly spaced. Yeah. And to me, I walked away and went, oh, you know, I roll. Yeah. Like, wow, that, you know, you got, you got to get life. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so said leader came to the mastermind group and we were talking about that. And he said, the reason why we do that is because it's a bit like that. We take, you know, Pride. the nature of what we do, we need to make sure that we are accurate that we take pride in our work and that we always maintain a level of professionalism no matter what the situation, you know, we have standards and they have to be excellent yep. because we are dealing, you know, with the very important all the way through. things. Yep. yep. And, and, and if that's not happening at the washing up sink or at the boardroom table by neatening up chairs or by the way people present themselves, what does that say about the important work that we do? Mm-hmm. And for me, my mindset Everyone around the table switched. went, whoa, whoa. okay, I get it, yeah. I get it. I came away from that thinking to myself, what is my boardroom chairs? Like, yeah. what is my thing that on that level I could make more of a deal out of so that the standard was set? As an analogy. Yes. Yeah. Like the sweeping, but it's yep. the sweeping, sweeping of the, the floor. Sheds. It's that taking personal pride in in what you do from at every level at yep. every touch point yeah legacy by james kerr read it mm, awesome. i'm going to yeah. yeah so good 
Podcast time. Mm. Oh, look, I've just got one to throw in the ring. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll mention two. And look, one's probably fairly out there and most people would probably know about it, um, which is Mamma Mia No Filter. Yeah. Um, Mia Friedman, always loved Mia Friedman. I've read all of her books and laughed out loud. And um, I really enjoy her company. I love that podcast, but it's, I'm not mentioning it because I love it. I mean, I just find she has really, really interesting people to talk to. Yeah. And re- I love her line of questioning. She always asks the question that I want to ask. Like she'll ask it and I think that's what I wanted to ask. Good. Anyway, not just that, but my kids Love it. And Kev loves it. Oh, so cool. whenever we are on family trips, the first thing the kids will say into the car, can we listen to No Filter? Can we listen to No Filter? So, um, and because she has such interesting people, you know, and there's so many questions that come out of that. So, you know, the topics can be anywhere, anything from politics. It can be Julie Bishop being interviewed. And the other one that we listened to the, on the the other day coming back from Sydney was this woman who had immersed herself in the wild in New Zealand and had lived off the grid with her husband and had taught herself to hunt animals. Nope. <laughs> nope. What a nightmare. <laughs> And the kids actually at one stage, because she was talking about how she had to hunt goats and how when she was learning how to hunt goats, she couldn't kill, like she didn't kill them properly the first time. And so then she, and the kids were so distraught. They were like, okay, no, 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 um, and the second one was something, and again, you know, so many people are probably all over these podcasts. They're fairly mainstream. The other one was um, Chat 10 Looks 3, and yeah. that's Annabelle Crabb and Lee Sales. And I have read both of their books and really enjoyed both of their books. Um, but do you know what the name of the podcast is a throwback to? It, well, do you know the reference? No. What is it? I think it's from Dance 10 Looks 3, which is a song from the musical chorus line. Ah, see, there you go. Yes, it would be that. It would be a huge coincidence if it wasn't. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Well, there's a bit of knowledge. There's a bit of there. There's a bit of pop culture. Um, Do you know why I like it so much though? Is because it reminds me of you and I so much. Like I don't know if anybody's listened to the podcast, but it's just them having a chat and and discussing. You know world issues i mean they obviously the the um bulk of the podcast is about book reviews and um movie reviews uh but the 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 conversation between them is literally them just you know talking about their life and then they'll talk about current events and obviously both of them are pretty across most current events particularly around politics um but they don't it's not political conversation that would bore someone who's not particularly, you know, politically minded. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that like, I've listened to podcasts where they're literally sitting in Annabelle Crabb's bedroom and, you know, just as we've had Patrick come and tell us that he needs to do a wee, you know, <laughs> the tradesman comes to the door and they have to go and <laughs> answer the door. I'm like, oh, it's not just us. Yeah, That's good. awesome. <laughs> like people who are really famous do that as well. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. They've just got a great rapport and I think for me it's probably been a reflection of – um, and a validation of, of our podcast. It's like, oh, this is, you know, you can just, because I always wonder, and I know you probably don't, but I always wonder, is this enough? Like, is this okay? Do people really care? Like, do people go, oh, my gosh, I actually thought I was going to, you know, get this and this out of it, and those guys just got on and 
had a good had chat a good for chat. half an hour, which, you know, we have been told that people really enjoy that. But still, you know, you, and I guess that listening to them, I was like, oh, that's awesome because I really enjoyed listening to them. It's like you're in the room with them. Yeah. Um, and I figured, oh, well, that must be what people get out of ours. It's good. Nice. So if you're a fan of Miss Bossy Boots, you'll probably like that one as well. Yeah. It's a, probably a slightly older age like a demographic that that might be relevant yeah to that um nice. but you know not to say that not to be age discriminatory <laughs> there uh, but just from me stalking the the facebook group to see who's kind of engaged in that community yeah um your podcast well we're kind of running out of time so i'm not going to go about why for each of these but i'm going to just give you the names of a couple of podcasts that i'm really loving at the moment um before breakfast with laura vanderkam i love anything laura vanderkam does she writes great books that make women feel not guilty about not spending time at the office and not guilty about not spending time with your children she's very Ah, all about this is how you find balance and try these things and don't feel guilty and i love her and before breakfast is just like a five minute every day podcast where she tackles one subject i love it um i'm also really loving achieve your goals with hal elrod hal wrote the miracle morning oh yes and so this is his podcast he talks to really interesting people um it's very businessy based or um very uh up level what up what's Go to the next level. Take your life to the next level. That kind of stuff. Okay. Is that annoying Um, or not? You'd find it very annoying. I love it. (laughs) You'd hate it. (laughs) No, you wouldn't hate it. He speaks to interesting people. Um, I get a lot of content from it. If you can get over the American... You see, you can't even. No, I can't, I can't say the you, word. You can't even you can't talk get about over it, it without yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you can get over that's, that, I don't have anything against Americans. I just, you know, that that whole the rah the rah rah next like level. The just, yeah, un- unnecessary. Yeah, and the last one I wanted to talk about was the John Maxwell Company have um, a podcast on executive leadership, and it's really interesting um, in terms of they tackle a leadership problem most episodes and, I, mm. and they're often ones I can relate to and go oh I guess I you know I've often said that to my team or I have a staff member who feels that way or yeah and they nice. come with quite practical solutions about how you go about that so great yeah that's my hints and tips for our favorite things thank you so much for listening to Miss Bossy Boots join our Facebook group we're in there chatting away. Yes, please do. We're still we're still trying to decide the the, the direction for, for our content, but all we know is that we want everybody in to feel like they can start a conversation at any time. So join the group, but start a conversation. Join a conversation. Don't just sit there and be a voyeur. Yeah. <laughs> join in. We love it. Join in. <laughs> Have yeah. a great day. Bye. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 